give me one shot here on a blue chip stock, believe me, Kevin, the only problem I'm gonna have is that you didn't buy more. Nobody knows if the stock is gonna go up, down, sideways, or in circles. What is good, NBA draft fans? Your boys are back. The Wolves of Ball Street, the motherfucking draft deck, NBA draft podcast. I am here as always with my co-host, my man, Albert. How we doing today, brother? Let's go. I'm feeling good, man. I'm feeling really, really good. Corey, you guys can't see us. Maybe you'll see it on the YouTube broadcast, but Corey's got the all that hat on. Yes, sir. And it's bringing back all the memories of our childhood in the 90s. And so I'm ready to go and I'm ready to talk about a player today that um, he's he's got some old school to him, man. A little bit of yeah. old school to him. I'm, I'm, I'm hype. It's... It's a it's a '90s edition podcast. Shout out all that. Shout out Nickelodeon. Uh, anybody you know old enough to have watched like prime '90s Nickelodeon, Double Dare, Legends of the Hidden Temple, all that Oof. great Nickelodeon documentary on Hulu. Pretty sure it's called The Orange Tape. So go check that out. But right now, we're not here to talk about Mark Summers. We're here to talk about Franz Wagner. Let's go. One of Albert's favorites, I believe. I feel like we've been anticipating this episode for uh, almost the entirety of of the show's the, the show's uh, time on air, right? I mean, I feel like this is one of your guys in the draft. Um, pretty safe to say that. Uh, pretty safe to say it. But you know what, Corey? I'll be honest with you. I tried to be really objective this week, and I really tried to nitpick and find all the things that are like not so great about his game. Because yeah. like I feel like once I like a guy, like I I just go blind, and I got freaking blinders on, and I just see the good. So I really tried to be analytical and critical today. So I'm ready to talk about the good and the bad. I love it. That's that's what the people are here for. They don't want to just hear us singing everyone's praises you know That's we gotta right. we gotta give you the low down nitty-gritty the dirty we gotta give you the real you know if, if you don't want the real you gotta go to another show <laughs> we're here to give you the real <laughs> go, to, go to Shaq's show yeah <laughs> <laughs> exactly go to the big Shaqtis podcast wherever the hell he's going all right uh Franz Wagner is a uh swing forward I feel like uh, a, a combo forward out of Michigan uh, he's going to be 19.81 years old on draft day. So as a sophomore and somebody who has a significant amount of international experience, he's basically the same age as Scotty Barnes, like almost the exact same age on draft day. Uh, he is six foot nine, 220 pounds, not sure the wingspan, but he measured with a six foot eight wingspan in 2017 when he was listed at six foot five. So the length is there. And when you study the tape, he very clearly has legitimate size. Hell yeah. You know, he looks, he looks big out there. So if he had a six, eight wingspan when he was six, five, you're already plus three. I mean, he's probably close to a seven foot wingspan because he looked every bit of six, nine, you know, some of these guys that we talk about, listed six seven six eight six six whatever and you're like eh maybe right it, but he's a legit six nine he to me he looked huge out on the floor so um i i i believe it he's a big boy 
Big boy could play both spots. Uh, 12 and a half points a game, six and a half rebounds, three and a half assists, 1.3 steals, one block. A little bit of everything there. Yeah. It gives you a little bit of everything. Hmm. Shooting splits 47, 34, 84. So, not the best, not the worst, pretty good. You know, you maybe up the three point percentage, but everything else right where you uh, you want it to be. The potential to be one of the draft's worst facial hair guys. Hey. The goatee, you know, it's not so much that it's a goatee; it's it's kind of straight. It looks like if it, there's some length to it, it, it looks like things could go sideways quick. So, uh, facial hair. He's he's getting a minus on, in my book uh, for, for draft grades. Preseason rankings. Bleacher Report unranked. ESPN, 43rd preseason. SB Nation, 18. Mm. So he's a little bit all, all over the board there. That preseason, it's an average stock price of about 43. Because I'm giving the unranked. I'll just put that at 60. Hmm. Currently, Bleacher Report, eighth on their board. Went from unranked to eighth. ESPN, ninth. Went from 43rd to ninth. SB Nation, 13. So he went from 18 to 13. This is a big-time stock riser as far as draft prospects go. Oh, yeah. So even though... A lot of people may focus on how he may have hurt his stock in the last game that he played. He is a big-time stock riser, and I think we'll we'll get into that, and, and I think we would disagree. But big-time riser for Franz Wagner this year in his college season, his sophomore yeah. year. Okay, Albert, is Franz's stock priced too high, too low, or is he just right? He's got an average set price at 10. Yeah. Um, Franz Wagner, as you, you know, as you mentioned, is clearly one of my favorite guys and we're going to talk a ton about him today. Uh, but I, I do have to say 10 is way too high for me. And I think here's the thing. Like I, I love him as a player. I exactly, I love him as a player, but we have to consider what it means to be the 10th pick in the draft. Um, and especially in a draft that I think we can start to categorize Corey. I think this draft is a really, strong draft at the top end but also is going to be really strong in the middle and the end of the draft because i really do see this draft being a draft where you're going to add a lot of winning type contributing type of players um i i really think this draft is ridiculously strong um not just because of the top five guys that we've talked about at nauseam but we're talking about a lot of guys that are going to be superior like elite level second third option types of guys and my thing with franz wagner is i think he's going to be a freaking great pro like we're going to talk so much about his game later but you take that you take the good you take the bad you can easily see him see him having a strong 10 15 year career but for me to put him at 10 that's that's too high for me because i still believe that there are a lot there are a lot of guys in this draft that have that superstar alpha a number one option type of potential. And so I, I'm going to start off by saying 10 is a little bit too high for Franz. That's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. Do you think he could return top 10 value though? 
Because that's a different question. A lot of guys yeah. get drafted in the top 10 and don't necessarily give you that top 10 value. Do you think that Franz is a guy that if you did draft him in the top 10, 9, 10, 11, you know, in that area, his, that, that little range, are you going to regret it? That, that I, I would say no. I would yeah. say no, just because, um, once again, easily 10 to 15 year career. I mean, we're, we're praying for no injuries and all that stuff. Fingers crossed. Knock on wood. Of course. Right. Of course. John Gruden, knock on wood if, you, if you're with me. <laughs> right. Right. For my boy, Josh Bice, who's listening. Um, but yeah, like I, I, I think he could easily have a 10 to 15 year career. And so I just can't see a world where he's a bust. Of course, I you know I don't have a magic ball. I don't know everything, but I just can't see that bust label ever being put on him. Also, shouts to uh, our, our brother uh, Kwame Brown uh, for <laughs> going off the last couple of weeks. And also, I, I really liked what Jalen Rose has been saying for a while. I know he said it to Stephen A. Smith like what that was like five eight years ago, but yeah. he said it again this week on Jalen Jacoby, I think. And yeah, I just can't see that bust label ever being put on Franz because. The, the for me the floor is so high it is yeah the floor the floor is high you there's no flooding in in this house um but yeah the the bust conversation is interesting you know for issue 1 of the hardwood um before the draft that i put out i went around to some draft guys and was kind of like what are your you know pre-draft predictions for the 20 20 class you know rookie of the year sleeper and uh there might have been a couple of who do you want your team to draft and bust you know of, of the draft and uh i asked my guy rashad phillips yoda and he said that he doesn't use the word bust hmm. so you know it's a common theme for i think guys who have played at a high level because they look at it and go look if you make it to any like division one, like at it's so hard to make it just to division one basketball. And then when you make it to be to professional basketball, it's, it's so hard to make it to that level. And, and that's Europe, yeah, like the NBL, whatever professional level you can make it to, it's a challenge just getting there. So a, a lot of former players do feel like that about the word because, you know, it could feel a little bit disrespectful, right? And um, I, I totally understand that. Uh, you know, I think from the fans' perspective, yeah. I, I also don't think, like, if you're going to say it, that's fine too. You know, as long as there's no malice intended and you're just talking about people that didn't work yeah. out, you know, yeah. especially because that's part of fandom. You know, you not fandom fans can't always put their themselves in the position of these players because they it's just an experience that they've never even come close to and and part of fandom is is being hot as having highs and lows and when you have a low with a player like you're gonna always have some kind of feeling towards that player uh whether warranted or not and you know who knows what goes on behind the scenes and and blah 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 but uh that's you know Kwame Brown's been <laughs> he <laughs> he's been the around the world wide web superstar <laughs> <laughs> the last don't, week or so don't go don't go see kwame in seattle that that's <laughs> the, that's our psa today don't go to seattle <laughs> <laughs> all right let's get into franz um highly efficient player 58.6 yeah. true shooting percentage 68 percent on close twos 40 percent on far twos which is a good good number you know in that uh mid-range to three-point line area 
Not that you want a, a ton of those shots, but better to be good there than not, right? Uh, he's a pretty good shooter, right? Clean form, consistent, smooth, but 34% on 3.6 attempts per game. I think that percentage is going to bump up at the next level. Same. Uh, you know, because I, I think that he's going to be a guy that's in a lot of spot-up situations where there were times in college where your role is to sometimes take harder shots and shot clock. Sometimes, you know, you're going to take some off the bounce shots, especially early on in his career. I don't see a lot of that for Franz, mm. but I, I think that that 34%, I think if you just watch the form, it's clean, it's consistent. I think you could project forward that he could get to 37, 38, you know, that, that kind of range. And there's a little bit of variance there. Um, I think because, and especially like even having shot 34%, he was still able to attack closeouts, right? You're still coming and, and you're going to cover him. You're not just going to let him shoot open jumpers. You're going to, he's a guy that you're going to put a hand up. You're going to run out to. And when he does that, I thought he was really good attacking closeouts. And you know what we say about those white guys, sneaky bounce, right? (laughs) He's he'll try to put you on a poster. Franz will try to put you on a poster. Um, (laughs) Franz can jump. Franz can jump. Yeah. Franz can jump. And yeah. like, you know, we mentioned it earlier when we were just going through the measurables. It's a big boy. Mm-hmm. You know, like he's not afraid to get into your body. Like he'll go right. He'll try to go through you and and like you'll bounce off. He'll bounce off. You know what I mean? So that, you know, I, I do like that. I think he's going to handle the physicality early. And 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 to me, look, all most rookies suck. Mm-hmm. Even the the good ones kind of mm-hmm. suck when you look at it from like a who's really contributing on an NBA level. But part of the reason that a lot of rookies are able to st- find success early on is because physically they're ready. You know, that that jump, the speed, the strength, all of that, it matters. And you got to get used to it. So if you have those physical advantages, the earlier you can get past some of that, the better. And I think Franz is going to be able to step in and not be super overwhelmed from like a strength perspective because he's a big boy. Now, as as well as I think he can attack closeouts and kind of handle in a, in, a, in a line drive, like I don't really think he has a creative handle out on the perimeter. Like if I was a NBA coach and I'm not, so what do I know? Uh, I would not be giving him the rock and being like, yo, Franz. Go cook, bro. Mm. Top of the key. Yeah. Go cook. Not his game. Yeah. I don't think he wants to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, he, one of the things that I really like about him is he plays within himself. And, and sure, there are times where he had the Brock and, and he went ISO, but it's, it's all within the flow. You know, he's yeah. not just like, guys, get out of the way. It's my time. You know, like, I'm on ESPN tonight. I'm trying to I'm trying to get the, the shine. I'm trying to end up on House of Highlights. It's not him. Uh, so I don't think he has the breakdown ability. I don't think he has the creative handle, but I don't think it matters when you're projecting him. Because like you said, you don't think he's like a top 10 guy necessarily. And when you're talking about guys that you're like, yeah, probably not like a top 10 guy. What we're ultimately talking about are role players. Mm-hmm. And Franz is a guy who is going to thrive in his role. He's going to be a star in his role. Yes. As the old coach's saying goes, right? Uh, really solid passer, unselfish. He's not going to run your offense. He's not going to be asked to run your offense, but he'll keep the ball swinging. 
It's not going to stick with him. He's going to find the open man. He can drive and kick a little bit. He can run some basic pick and roll. You know, he's thrown some nice lobs off the pick and roll. He'll hit the little pocket bounce pass off the pick and roll. But he's probably not going to be the guy doing the Luka impression where he's coming off the the screen, kind of putting a guy in jail, you know, Mm -hmm. causing the, the weak side help to shift to the to the hoop and, you know, hitting the the corner shooter. It, that's not his game either. He's he's a basic read passer. And like we said, he's a role player. I think that's all he needs to do. He can also post up a little bit, um, which I like because, I, again, he's a big, big, uh, big wing. So, you know, if, if you got a smaller, small forward who's playing up on him, I think he could take him in the post and either go to work on him a little bit or, you know, make some nice passes out of the post, which uh, I think is – starting to you know kind of come back i think yeah. Jokic Jokic is starting to bring it back a yeah. little bit but uh mb you know yeah mb yeah you know these guys it's, that's as good as a drive and kick three you know mm. you, you force the double down not that i think franz is going to be forcing a lot of double downs but i think he could pass out of the post a little bit um yeah so i i, I think offensively that's kind of my scouting report on him what did, did i miss anything okay so i've been waiting for this moment my whole life um, i know it <laughs> <laughs> I, I just want to kind of go off of the things that you said. Um, okay, first off, the passing. I love. I, I really like his passing. I, th- I thought his interior passing was really, really good. Um, I thought he did mm-hmm. a really, really good job um, at finding the big man at the dunker spot, all that stuff, you know. Uh, his pick and roll stuff was fun as a ball handler. Mm-hmm. Um, him and uh, their big Dickerson, I thought they had really, really good chemistry. I was watching a couple of games, and he did a really, really good job of just finding him rolling to the basket. A lot of like really savvy, nice passes that I was really, really impressed by. And there's a lot to like there because as you mentioned, I think we're not looking at him to be the primary ball handler, but if you have a guy at six, nine who can do that, it's like, wow, like that's going to add another wrinkle to your offense that I think is just amazing. That's incredible to think about as a secondary tertiary option. I do want to say, dude, He's a he's a freaking big six nine, like yeah, this kid. I know he he pops off the screen because he's not just like six nine. He's not Pokashevsky. This guy has meat on his bones. Yeah. Um. From year one to year two at, at Michigan, he's a sophomore. Yeah. Um. Yep. From what I understand, he added a ton of weight, and you can see it. Like his frame is good. You, you know me. I'm like the whole. I like looking at the physiques of these guys, which sounds weird. My friends make fun of me all the time. <laughs> I love his shoulders. It's an important aspect of scouting. <laughs> Great shoulders. I think he's got a really, really nice frame. He's very proportional. And what I mean by that is, yeah, he has long arms, but he also got long legs and a big-ass torso. He's very proportional. Yeah. I think he's got a big butt, too, which he uses well when he's posting up. and like. So something I wanted to say, you were talking about – offensively i think he does a really good job where you're right he's not going to break you down and be shifty with his his dribbling but he's really good moving off the ball i mm-hmm. dude he yeah. made some yeah. beautiful high iq cuts and i was watching i was just screaming by myself at my desk um also i think even when he's attacking the rim i think he finds good angles and he does a good job of using his six nine size and his physique to you know leverage that to get to the basket and finish strong also kid is a dog aggressive He's got some anger to him. He's got some like, you know, some real fu energy to him that I like a lot. He's not afraid. 
Uh, he's not afraid of the big moment. I was watching this game against Wisconsin. They were down almost the whole game. And as they're making a, making, making a run, he had some big shots, had some big defensive plays, hit a huge three to bring them to within three, and they ended up winning, winning that game. So I like that type of intensity from him, and I think it's great. The one thing about his jump shot that I did want to say is a little flat for me. That his jump shot could use a little bit more arc. But once again, that's something that you can clearly see that he's going to work on. And also, on top of that, shoots with a ton of confidence. This guy is not second-guessing himself. When he is when he catches it in the corner, he's going to let it fly every single time. And that's what you want, right? And on top of that, Corey, you and I were big free-throw guys. Shot 83% from the free-throw line, 84% from the free-throw line. That's more than plenty. We're talking about a 6, 9, 3, 4, even maybe a small ball 5. I'm not sure. I was listening to the uh, Draft Junkies pod, and um, what's his name? Raphael Barlow? Raphael, right? yeah. He had his brother on. And they were, yeah, shout out to Raph. Um, they were ta- he had his brother on. They were talking about friends. A couple of things, like, I, I, he, you know, his brother was saying he saw him more as a five and as, like, a Kelly Olynyk type, and I actually didn't vibe with that at all. No, um, I, I, think, I think Franz has the feet to guard wings. Um, I really do. Like, he has really good feet defensively. And once, okay. He's not fast at all. Franz is not. He's actually slow. But I love how he his athleticism is not jump out the gym. His athleticism is he moves really well. Very fluid athlete. Feet are really good. But sorry, I'm I'm talking about defense no, it's, now. But it's I'll, very. We can. I mean, we can move yeah. right into the defense. And I, I think yeah. that um, it's very functional. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, uh, like his athleticism. I he can jump in a mm-hmm. straight line. You know, he's not like mm-hmm. he's not prime Derrick Rose who's like cutting in between guys or or you know whatever but like he'll defensively he'll stay with his man he'll yeah he'll slide with him he'll change his feet you know he'll be able to kind of change directions that way and then help side he's able to come over and every once in a while he'll send somebody shit and you're like oh right and you you talk about the fire and the passion there's some visceral screaming Mm-hmm. that i like um so yeah no i i think that he definitely has functional athleticism for a basketball player rather than like be him being a track star and, and another thing that stuck out to me good rebounder not a great rebounder he's not some elite uh rebounder but he likes to mix it up with the big guys and i really like that like i mentioned he's got a big old butt right i think he yep. uses it well to you know box guys out but just I, I like the fact that he was mixing it up and willing to grab rebounds he had a couple 10 rebound games which i like you know because like i don't see this guy as being a five at all i like him as kind of like a swiss army knife you know yep. he can handle the ball a little bit he can shoot a little bit as you mentioned always plays within himself but the fact that he was willing to mix it up with the bigs and grab rebounds i really enjoyed that too so i did want to point out the fact that not a great rebounder but good enough for me yeah but like he's he he really looks for somebody to box out when he's rebounding mm-hmm. so even if he's not getting that rebound like he is creating rebounding opportunities for other people yes, which sir. is like one of the in vogue trends in the NBA, like box out and let your guard go get a rebound, right? It's the Russell Robin Westbrook Lopez. syndrome, it, you know, exactly. So I, I think that he had good rebounding numbers, like over eight per 40. Uh, and in the minutes he played real life, like six and a half, whatever it was, uh, rebounds in a game. So good rebounder. Now I can see in spurts, the small ball five thing. Okay. Yeah. But 
I think that speaks to his ability to switch defensively. Mm-hmm. Not that you're like, hey, why don't we do a small ball death lineup and make him our Draymond Green? That I'm not buying. Mm-hmm. But in spurts, because I think that he has big boy size, legit mm-hmm. six nine, legit two twenty, legit strength. And this is and I'm definitely not early on. I think he'll get killed early on doing this. But as he continues to get like real NBA strength, NBA reps, then I could see him being a situational switch five onto certain, you know, in certain situations, not against Anthony Davis, mm-hmm. not against Jokic, not again, you know, not like that, but in certain situations, I could see it just because I thought he was so good switching. I think he's pretty good at the rim. He uses his length. He'll get straight up, hands up in the air, right under the hoop. He's great positionally. Like he knows exactly where to be. He's very, very intelligent as an off-ball defender. He communicates. And to me, like if you're going to be able to be a guy who switches, plays up, you need to be a talker on on defense. And he's constantly pointing things out um, defensively and talking. And and that's right. that's a, a big thing for me. And look, I, I don't want to compare his. Like I think he he looked like he had tree trunk legs to me mm-hmm. you know and and like last year patrick williams had those legs You're just like holy crap i don't think he's got patrick williams style mm-hmm. tree trunk legs but i do think he had like the base to where you're not going to post him up with somebody that's around his size very yeah. easily you know yeah. um but i think he's much more inclined to be guarding threes and fours and personally i think that he is like the perfect size for your modern NBA four yes, because he'll be okay. able to, you know, like that's really where I'm at with him. Like, I think his position is a four at the next level. Uh, okay. You know, he's a guy that is going to be, especially with the way he moves his feet and stuff. Like, I think that that spot, he's going to be more than athletic, more than quick enough laterally to be able to, to stay with most of those guys. You know, it's hard for me to think of many like starting small ball four fours that are just going to blow him away athletically um mm-hmm. outside of like you know zion and you know mm-hmm. athletic freaks like that that do it to literally everybody right yeah. but um yeah i i i think he's that's where he's at that's that's my position for him is like a four okay and this, it's crazy i was actually going to ask you like don't you feel like his ideal position on the next level is at at the four like i could yeah. see him like you know i think it's perfect if you put a rim protector next to him like a big old rim protector and just have him play the four and do all kinds of stuff on the floor. Like that's exciting. Like that, that sounds like the perfect way to use friends. And like you mentioned, I I think he does a great job of abusing guards when they're guarding him. Like, you know, like you put a smaller guy on him, he's going to take him in the post and he's going to do some stuff. Like I I like the little turnaround that he has. Like I, I just think he does a really good job of taking advantage of the mismatches. Which, once again, speaks to the IQ. The guy has great, great basketball IQ, makes the right plays. He sees the floor really well. He sees what the defense is giving him, and he doesn't try to do too much. And so if you have a guy like that, you put him next to a rim protector and you, you know, you have him play the four. Like, I, that's so exciting to me. And, okay, I will relent and say maybe I could potentially see him playing a little bit of five, but I, I think the rim protection is not there. Um, so I, I think that might no, be a little I agree, tough. I agree yeah. with you. I like when I say that I think I could see it in spurts. It's literally yeah. just like in spurts. We're switching exactly. it. We're switching everything, and he right. and like he's not the only one who's switching 
to, to five, right? It's everybody. Yeah. We're, we're switching everything. And like, I don't think he's going to get killed any more so than like somebody else, like Jay Crowder, mm-hmm. you know, like somebody like that. Like I, I, like Jay Crowder is, you put him at the five for a five minute stretch. He's going to get killed. But if you, yeah. you put him there situationally on, on a switch, he'll, he'll hang, right. There's going to be possessions. He'll frustrate somebody. So uh, that, but just situationally, just in spurts. Like otherwise, I think he is a four with the speed and quickness defensively, laterally to guard threes. Yes. Now, now, if he gets like, if he gets switched on to Bradley Beal, or one of these twitchy, kind of shifty guards, then I think, like, even though I think he has really good instincts defensively, I just he's not going to be able to handle that. But how many guys that are six nine two twenty? really can right like so that's where i think he would start to struggle more so than if he was trying to guard up yeah. um but ideally you don't want him guarding up or that far down i think ideally yeah. you want it to be a swing forward who'd be able to guard threes and fours one thing we didn't talk about defensively his hands are so active yes he gets so many deflections and you know i know there's a lot of people that kind of wanted like we don't have access to some of the stats that NBA teams have access to NCAA teams have access to but if there was a stat for like deflections hustle points stuff like that I bet he would be way up there um because he's he's just he's long he gets long he his hands are up he's in his stance and he's he's active either on like in the passing lanes and he's just deflecting a, a whole bunch of stuff. And um, part of that is he's got good positioning and he knows where to split uh, when he's off ball. Now, when I say active hands, I, I really do mean kind of more so off ball. Like last week we mm-hmm. talked about Scotty Barnes and Scotty Barnes has like crazy quick hands on ball, yeah. right? Franz is a little different to me. Like defensively, Franz was kind of like what Kirk Heinrich was as a defender, just like Ooh. very solid. Um, and obviously, like, they guarded different positions. But, like, Kirk Heinrich wasn't a guy who was killing people with he- with his athleticism. He wasn't a guy that was forcing a ton of steals. He wasn't Iverson in the passing lanes. He was like, all right, you got to go guard Dwayne Wade. So just be smart. Stay with him. Know the scouting report. Don't bite up on pump fakes. And just, like, make try to make his life hell, right? And that's kind of what I think Franz can do. Like, I don't think he's going to be a guy that is actively – hunting the passing lanes. I think he's going to be a guy that's like in the right spot. And and he just gets steals in the passing lanes that way. He's active. His hands are up. He's focused. He's, his head is on a swivel. He sees his man. He sees the ball. He's rotating to the right spots. Like, I just think he's a really solid defender. And I think he's probably underrated as a defender in this class. Cause I think when you start talking about like, who are the best defenders in the draft, there's not too many conversations that I think that Franz's name is going to come up, but I do think that he's probably in the conversation because he is really, really solid. Yeah, dude, I, I hear all that. Like the versatility, right? That That's that's one of the main calling cards with him. Like his, yeah. he's so versatile. He's going to be able to guard a lot of different guys. I definitely agree with you. Like the way that I, I think those deflections and like him getting his hands into the passing lanes, really, really important. I, I did one of the, I think it was against Indiana at this great steal. They, they were like going up the court and he just 
ripped it and went in for a layup. And you you see the potential there. I agree with you. I don't think anyone's going to look at Franz and be like, oh, he's going to be the best defender in this draft. We have some, we've got some big time defenders in this draft, but yeah. there's a lot to like there because of the versatility. And we talk about the modern NBA. What are you guys looking for, right? What are NBA GMs looking for? They're looking for guys who can switch. They're looking yep. for guys who can guard multiple positions. And you, if you can get a guy like that who can guard multiple positions and then also have the offensive upside that Franz has at 6'9 with that body, it's like, dude, how can you not fall in love? Which is why if we look at where his average stock price is on all these mock drafts, you can kind of start to understand why scouts have him moving up boards and you people can see him going a 10th. But f- for me, though, personally, like I, I still... I would be I wouldn't be afraid to take him at 10, but I would I think I would be still looking at like higher upside options for sure. Now, let's like currently at 10th. We have the New Orleans Pelican. Mm. Right. So when you start looking, you're like, you know what? Like Franz, Mm. Franz would be a good fit in New Orleans. So I think part of it, too, is like fit within the team in that range Mm. where where you're like, all right, that he'd probably be a pretty good fit there. I could see him going, whereas some of the other spots you're like, nah, you know, like if they have the 10th pick, maybe they should swing for somebody with a little bit higher of upside because that's really the downside to him is that yeah. he doesn't have like superstar upside. Mm-hmm. You know, there's I to me, there is like zero path for him to be a superstar in the NBA. Yeah. You know, I, like I don't I don't really even think that there's a path for him to become Gordon Hayward. You know, so uh-huh. like. Because Gordon Hayward is really, really good. Um, and I don't shooter. think he's, you know, better handle. You know, I don't think there's that kind. He's lighter on his feet. You know, front with Franz, a big boy. Like, but mm-hmm. there's not like, he's not graceful. Yeah. You know, he's, uh, he's not heavy footed necessarily, mm-hmm. but he, there, there's not much grace to him, to him either. So uh, I, I think, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Now, before we get into, um, you know, some of the other segments of the show, I don't want to not bring up the UCLA game, Hmm. right? Because I think that's, we live in the, uh, what have you done for me lately society? Yeah. You know, so that was one of the games I wanted to go back and watch and really dig into because... You know, look, you're not the player you are on your worst day. You're probably not the player you are on your best day. There's usually a median, and that's, you know, you're around what your averages say. Um, So he's not the guy who was, like, one for ten and whatever, right? Like, but he still played really solid defense in that game. Mm -hmm. And I know that people will probably fault him and say that, like, oh, he missed, he airballed the three at the end of the game. And it was wide open and like, what a choker. But he literally knocked down two clutch free throws like 30 seconds before that. And to me, those free throws were a way higher level of pressure Mm -hmm. than a three-point shot is in that situation. Because when you're at the free throw line and like all you're doing is thinking. Mm -hmm. You have all the time in the world to think about time score situation that three-point shot like you pretty much have to let it fly so you know i get it he struggled 
Yeah. But it was more an aberration than anything else, I think. Um, and he still, you know, I still think he was solid defensively. He still hit the boards. Um, he had a couple of steals. He, you know, he, he had a block, like he was still contributing in other ways. And like his role at the NBA level is not going to be guy who takes last second shots. Yeah. Hopefully if he is, Mm. you know, that speaks volumes about (laughs) probably the tanking that's going on, on whatever team he's on. Mm. So I, I just want to say, like, I don't think that was a big deal. I think, you know, ideally you want to step up in that situation, like a guy like Johnny Juzang, right? Like who, who was uh, uh, an animal, mm. right? But not the end of the world. So if you're listening to this and you're like, well, what about the UCLA game? Mm-hmm. Look, it happens. Sometimes you miss shots. You know, I think back to the Mighty Ducks, mm-hmm. Gordon Bombay. Mm-hmm. the breakaway hits the post mm-hmm. you know missed it by a half an inch well you half half an inch the other way you would have missed it completely right? right so like it's a make or miss like everything game of inches he could have easily had been four for ten and you know you're you're looking at a different thing and, and four for ten one for ten like i don't know it to me and that's i, I feel like he played okay he just missed shots that normally he's probably gonna make and I don't think it was the moment that that got to him. Yeah, I, I think all that. <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> I think all that is fair. I think it's important to look at the whole, the the bigger picture. I think he had a really good tournament against mm-hmm. LSU. He had fifteen and seven against Florida State. He had thirteen, ten, and five. And even in that game where he lost to UCLA, he grabbed eight boards, two assists, two steals. Like I, I think if you look at the tournament as a whole, he was a really important part of their success and how far they got. And, you know, as you mentioned, it's one game. It's one freaking game. And you even brought up the Juzang thing. Juzang was UCLA's everything. They relied on Juzang to get buckets and to do all that. And that wasn't – I almost said Mo Wagner. That wasn't wasn't Franz's job. That wasn't his role. He wasn't supposed to be the one taking – all those crazy shots or whatever. And so I a hundred percent agree. And ultimately it, it, it's, it's, it's a strange balance that you need to have when you're watching these prospects. At least that's how I, that's how I feel. I, I think we have to be able to look at not just the raw numbers um, that these players are putting up, but also the eye test, but also like understanding that these kids are in college, you know, like, okay, we haven't talked about him yet, but eventually we're going to get to Joshua Christopher. Mm-hmm. and it, you know he had some rough games he had some rough he had a rough experience i think overall at arizona state but you see the skills you see the tools and you see how his game is going to be able to translate to the next level and so for me with wagner we have to understand we have to put everything into context when we're looking at franz wagner as an nba prospect i don't think there's going to be a single gm in the league looking to draft this kid to be their number one option And so, once again, going back to the UCLA game, that was one bad game. But you have to look at the bigger picture, see the tournament that he had, see the skills and the attributes and the way that he played. Think about how that's going to translate to the next level. And if you consider all those moving pieces, it's hard to to look at that game and be like, okay, now I'm out on Franz Wagner. I I think that would just be really irresponsible. Yeah, I I agree 100%. Uh, You know, like looking at this kid, 
and you, and you know, one of the things we do on the show, how volatile is he right to me? He's one of the safest guys. He's not, there's almost no volatility to him because you see, I think what you're going to get, which is like this great, great role player. Like he's not going to be Tesla stock. Mm -hmm. Right. But he'll be like Coca-Cola, you know, like Coca-Cola. They're not really. I, and, and, Maybe maybe I'm wrong about this. Who knows? I don't think they're going to be doing something crazy innovative in the future that's going to be like altering, you know, the uh, the world we live in. Um, but I guess I also didn't foresee a shampoo company um, coming up with a vaccine, mm-hmm. potentially life saving vaccine. So who knows? But uh, and granted, not to shit on Coca Cola's lack of innovation, Coca Cola Zero, uh, Coke Zero is you know one of my favorite drinks in the, you know, in the world, but they're just like, you know what you're getting solid, good product. Nothing's going to blow your mind. They're not going to really change your life, but I enjoy my Coke zero every day. A little, did you know, Corey, that uh, Coke is currently developing a, a cola that cures COVID. So (laughs) they're going to make you eat your words. (laughs) <laughs> drink them <laughs> yeah hopefully that would be amazing um and mm-hmm. i would drink it because their drinks are delicious uh <laughs> sell me it's time for sell me this pen mm. Mm. in not so many words sell yeah. me or not me because i'm sold mm. sure but sell our listeners on franz mm. Wagner. if you want to win championships if you want to be competitive and you're looking for a guy to plug all the holes that you need to be filled, you know, outside of being a superstar, Franz Wagner is your guy. If you have an alpha male, if you have an alpha on your team, Franz Wagner is an elite level complimentary player and a guy who's going to help you win championships. Done. Boom. Roasted. I love <laughs> it. And I agree. He is, he is a guy that I think is going to play on a lot of winning teams. And if you draft him to a situation where you're a not so successful team, I think he's a piece that is really going to help change your culture because he plays the game the right way. And he's a guy that, you know, any coach is going to love coaching. So shout out to Franz. Um, All right. So we said he's not really a top 10 guy. What range are we comfortable drafting him in? I like him. I like him anywhere from 15 to 20. Okay. That's where I like him. I like, I see, I think I can get, I can go anywhere. I think he's a, a back of the lottery guy. Okay. I think, a uh, like 11 to 14 because, you know, we're looking like, Golden State is going to be a lottery team. Mm-hmm. And, like, if you're Golden State, you want an elite role player, right? So, like, Franz the guy that if they don't um, win the Cade lottery, Franz the guy that would really be able to step in and give them – I mean, I don't know if he's a guy who's playing 20 minutes a game necessarily – for a championship, a hopeful 
championship contender with Clay returning and whatever other moves they make in the offseason. But he's a guy that if they kept their picks, like you could see being worthwhile to stay on the floor and you're not just like, oh my God, it's Joe Schmo from X G League team. Like I can't believe they can't find guys on the margins. Like he's a guy that you would I think would help Golden State as far as some of the guys in this draft. So um I, I I'm cool with him in the lottery. Uh if I could get him in the 15 to 20 range, I think that's yes. A home run no-brainer right I think that's and could I see him slipping absolutely because we've seen plenty of examples like the not like the way more sexy superficial like you know what I know that this one guy couldn't really shoot during real games but I got him in for a workout and he knocked down 12 jumpers in a row and he he could do a windmill so like let's take a shot. I trust our development. Like we've seen that happen over and over. So it's it, Franz could absolutely slip. And I mean, we, we see the ranges. I mean, you know, that kind of part of the, the draft is not too far off from, you know, where the, the big media companies have him currently ranked. And, you know, so I, I it's certainly possible. And I think that would be a home run. Um, where do you think he ranks amongst forwards in this draft? Because there's a lot of good forwards in this draft. We have Cade Cunningham. We have Jonathan Kaminga. We got Scotty Barnes, Corey Kispert, Zaire Williams. I mean, and I'm I'm sure I'm forgetting some, you know, some other guys. Like, oh, yeah. you know, there's where does Franz rank in that group? Because it feels like right in the middle, mm. somewhere. You can make the I, argument. I think I think the middle sounds about right. Just because, like, I, I see him in the Barnes range, right? I think, and I think I mentioned this on the pod last week. I think when we talked about Scotty Barnes, I think it's going to be really interesting to just juxtapose Scotty Barnes's career next to Franz Wagner's career. I, mm-hmm. I think these guys have similar strengths, similarly similar weaknesses, but also very different games. Oh, um, yeah. So it's going to be. I, I think it's going to be really interesting to see which style ends up developing better and blossoming better on the next level. Um, I think they both can be really, really successful guys, but I kind of see them on the same level because both of them have like pronounced weaknesses, but also like really, really good strengths. Uh, Meanwhile, like guys like Cade and Kaminga have, uh, I think a lot more upside. So I think that range, like him and Barnes, I think on the same, like in the same tier, that sounds about right to me. I think Barnes is the upside play and mm. Franz is the guy that can kind of slot in easier into certain spots just because I think he's got a, a clearer path shooting the ball. Yeah. Right. Um, but I think he's right. I think he's like with Kispert too. You know, I think he's right in that same kind of area because a lot of people don't buy Kispert's game. Um, you know, a lot of people have the concerns and we've covered him. We love Kispert. We Kisper. love us in Kisper. Uh, but I, I think like, I think Barnes probably goes hot, like potentially goes a lot higher than both of those guys. Um, but I think they they are in similar tiers. I didn't even bring up Jalen Johnson. You know, we got to do our, our, our weekly Jalen Johnson uh, segment. You ready for a plot twist? I, um, <laughs> I, I did uh, the responsible thing and watched a little bit of Jalen Johnson this week. Uh, I'm not in love with him yet. I'm definitely not. 
but is that I the plot can, twist? <laughs> <laughs> I'm starting to understand why some people do really enjoy his game. Yeah. Um, because him athletically is a lot of fun. Like, yeah. Freaking hell. There's a lot of fun to him. So I can understand. I don't hate him as much as I did, but also I am far from being in love with him. So well, we're, we're going to have the uh, draft deeper guys on to talk about Jalen Johnson. Uh, Albert and I went on the draft deeper podcast last week. We talked about the G league guys. So um, if you want to hear us talking about the G league guys as an update, since our first episode, uh, you can go there and we're, we're going to be covering, um, you know, those guys singularly in, you know, the weeks and months to come as well. Um, Albert, if you're buying stock in Franz Wagner, and I don't know how we made it this far in the podcast without talking about, it. I just like saying his name, Franz mm-hmm. Wagner, like just a fun name. Wagner. If you've bought stock in Franz, who maybe have you bought stock in previously? So I said this a couple months ago, and then I've seen some people talk about it on the internet, and I feel kind of like y'all are just copying off me. But um, <laughs> Copying the homework. See, yeah, dude. I, I think he might eventually be like a better Joe Ingles. And mm-hmm. Joe Ingles is effing good. Like Joe Ingles mm-hmm. is really, really good and a huge part of Utah's success. And he does all kinds of stuff for Utah. Um, but once again, Joe Ingles is a guy who worked on his shot to get to the point where he is now. And he's a freaking fantastic shooter now. Um, I think Wagner has upside to be the better version of that. And if you're talking about a better Joe Ingles, are you kidding me? Like every championship team should want that guy on their team, which kind of speaks to where I'm at with Franz. Like I, I just, I think he can be the quintessential glue guy, but like with a little bit more sauce to that. Yeah. I like that. Um, you know, I kind of like, DeAndre Hunter. I don't know why. Like, I feel like DeAndre Hunter, um, a little bit of DeAndre Hunter to his game. Because I think DeAndre Hunter is like one of those guys who he really improved this year and he really displayed why he was drafted where he was drafted. But that he's just like one of the ultimate role players in the league. And he's a guy who's another big boy, like legitimate small ball four but he's like not small like mm-hmm. he, he could play the small ball style but actually physically hang there uh i think that defensively he probably has uh, better tools yes like f- as far as like being a guy who can lock down but i really think that franz has the potential to be v- really really good defensively at the next level and i think that you know, if Franz gets to 36, 37, 38% as a three-point shooter, like he's going to offer a lot of the same things that DeAndre Hunter does. And and you look at DeAndre Hunter and the role he's in in Atlanta, like all he really has to do is attack closeouts, hit open shots, you know, hustle and play defense. Mm-hmm. Get out in transition, you know, make plays there. And I think that Franz could play a similar role. So I think, you know, DeAndre Hunter, Joe, Joe Ingles, I think they're both guys that Franz can look at and take, things from their game and and kind of put it into his and you could see paths to success um for franz you know based on some of these guys who his game resembles so uh i love how different those those comps are and i think it speaks to franz's versatility uh as a player so uh i think that'll do it are we are you buying or selling 
Give me all the fries. Here's my all dream, Corey. Here's my dream. Actually, you know, it's weird. Like, I, I think the Knicks would actually be a bad fit for him just because we have Toppin and Toppin's starting to pop a little. Top, oh. You know, you know, <laughs> Toppin's starting to show some stuff, you know? So, um, actually, the Knicks might be a bad fit for him. But ultimately, yeah, I'm buying, all, I'm all the way in on Franz Wagner just because. Once again, I think he's a guy that might end up winning three championships and not because he's the number one guy, but he's the perfect role player for right. a winning team. Trevor, he's going to do he's going to do smart stuff. He's going to surprise you. He's going to be a good defender. He's going to develop into becoming a better shooter. He's going to shock you with some of the pick and roll ball handling stuff, the passing like I just. I love the kid, man. I love Franz Wagner. If you ever hear this, Franz, we're huge fans of yours, but especially me, I would like to adopt you. (laughs) (laughs) Big time fans, uh, buying his skill, selling his goatee for me. Um, I think that's going to be it for our Franz Wagner episode of the Draft Act podcast. Albert, tell the people where they could find you. You can find me on Twitter. Um, I was having a, a deep talk with my with my brother Josh Bice over the weekend, and he was he he listens to our pod every single week, and he was like, "Dude, you kind of like, yeah." He was like, "You kind of shrink a little bit when you share your Twitter handle." And he's like, "We gotta <laughs> we gotta workshop a better Twitter handle." So I'm gonna ask our our listeners out there if you guys have a name for me. I, I need to change my Twitter handle because it's freaking boring as hell, and I like to think I'm not a boring person, but I have such a square ass twitter handle so if you guys have any ideas throw my way i'm trying to i'm trying to rebrand um me you know so um (laughs) as of now the twitter handle handle is at alberto gim uh, which is my name and it is a korean name so i'm working on it though i need help guys girls help him out he needs a rebrand Uh, you can find me at the Hardwood Mag on Twitter, on Instagram, at Hardwood Corey on TikTok, which I should really be more active on. Uh, and you can find clips from the Draft Act podcast as well as the best draft scouting videos on the internet. Let's go at the Hardwood Herald YouTube channel. Um, you just, just you just dropped Giddy today, right? Well, no, the giddy the giddy was uh, the clip from the show. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, that was that was the clip okay. from our show. But I did just drop Sharif. Hey, I saw that. Did one. just drop Sharif. Um, landed cool my plan. landed my first sponsor for us. So that could be exciting. Um, so we'll we'll see how that goes. Um, not gonna drop it yet because I didn't get the bag yet. You know, once I get the bag. I'll shout them out, but I will contractually have to shout them out on, on the video. Once I get the back, but who would be a good sponsor for our pod, Corey, what do you think? Who's a good sponsor for our pod? Uh, probably Coca-Cola after the, (laughs) the conversation that we had today, Mm. (laughs) which would be great. So Coca-Cola zero, if you're listening, uh, you could send me one of those like mini fridges, and Albert, send us one of those like those little mini fridges that are just like stocked with the the, the products. I'm a big fan of the new Coke with coffee. Ooh. Uh, they've got the dark blend as the zero sugar option, but if you can make the Coca Cola with coffee vanilla 
zero oh. sugar as well. Now we're talking. So yeah, mm-hmm. look, if you you could we could talk sponsorship, we could talk business, um, products. You know, hit me up on all of the accounts. So if anybody from Coke is listening, I'm <laughs> telling you, I got you. But you guys, guys are also up. doing a, you're also doing a great job. All right, that is officially it. Now we're just rambling. We will see you next week for another episode of the Draft Act NBA Draft Podcast. Until then, peace. Peace.